0: Hi, and welcome to my podcast on the grow. I'm Grace Lee. This is the second episode into the past to present series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. So for this season, I'm sharing stories from my past that I haven't shared and thought I'd be really selective and pick ones that tied into something I've carried with me now. In the last episode, On Thin Ice, I share my five-year run with my favorite sport growing up, figure skating. I talk about my figure skating ambitions, that mentality of striving for more, what those years taught me, how it applies to where I'm now, and how that chapter came to an end. If you haven't heard it already, you should definitely check it out. In this episode, I talk about my past childhood story growing up in a white-majority suburban town and how experiencing racism that young affects you then and now. The anti-Asian racism that started this past year with COVID-19 and my experiences with it. And my thoughts on the massive spike in anti-Asian hate crimes in the U.S. resurfacing again. I usually spend a couple of days after releasing a podcast episode thinking about what I want to cover with my next episode. I'll jot down a couple of notes I remember from the days leading up to the day I record, and then I'll piece it together in my mind to create a story. I had already been thinking about how I want to start off sharing my experiences. I already knew that I would be speaking on my past childhood experiences with being bullied at a young age. But then, when I saw the spike in anti-Asian hate crimes in the news again, I felt crushed. A combination of hurt and anger fueled by a natural reaction of what I was used to when I was little. I knew this was something I wanted to speak up about. But, How do I speak on something that's so upsetting? I've been staring at my ceiling for the past 10 minutes trying to recollect my thoughts here of what I want to say and how much my heart just hurts. This is nothing new, COVID-19 fueled anti-Asian racism. When our former president called this the Chinese virus, I remember seeing racist violence all over the world starting in March, 2020, and then it just growing from there. But it hasn't stopped. CBS has data that shows more than 2,100 anti-Asian American hate incidents related to COVID-19 were reported across the country over a three-month time span between March and June according to advocacy groups that compile the data. The incidents include physical attacks, verbal attacks, workplace discrimination, and online harassment. What's happening right now, again, is a massive spike in anti-Asian racism. Last year, when it was more candid and it was happening because of our former president blaming China for the virus, I was infuriated. It is so difficult to stomach the overall lack of coverage and apathy. Whenever people choose to act in inexcusable behavior, I always try to understand their thought process of how they could act the way they do. What possibly goes through their mind or, or hey, maybe doesn't go through their mind. And they're really just that heartless. But what is it that makes someone want to hurt someone else? And I know there's pain that is deeper than surface level. People act out of fear and ignorance. In this case, a combination of both. But it's inexcusable. Fear causes people to do hurtful things, including placing the blame on others to make themselves feel better. The sort of hatred and inexcusable actions gives fuel to those who feel they find comfort by blaming others. When people ask me about my experiences growing up in school, there are many memories that I'm happy about. But then, I remember the memories that I wasn't really fond of. The memories where I cringe and try to forget at times because of how painful they were. I've always been a small person pretty much all my life. There was never a time when I was taller than anyone and it was what I was just used to, you know, being little. And the interesting concept of bullying is that for me, I always viewed bullies as the giants in my life. Literally and metaphorically speaking. I mean, everyone was taller than me, bigger in size than me and not to mention everyone had brown or blonde hair. And then there was me, a petite little Asian girl. When I was in elementary school, I remember being the only Korean American girl in my class. I got along with a lot of the kids, but there were always some mean girls and mean boys who would pick on me every now and then at the playground. I never really understood why they waited to make crude remarks to me until we were outside on the playground. But all the memories seemed to point there. The boys would always pull their eyes back with their fingers, imitating slits, and laugh at me. Or the girls would comment, you have a pancake face, or why does your nose look like that? Being so young and innocent at that stage, I never really understood what the racist comments meant. Sure, I didn't have eyes the size of the blonde girl in class or a pointy nose like the brunette who sat next to me. But the more taunting and teasing I heard, the more I let that define me. I grew to resent certain people at my school because of their endless teasing and laughter. I would think awful and hurtful things for these people. And the thing is, I never reacted publicly because I didn't want to be embarrassed. But I would go home and just cry. Cry because those words hurt. And words, words hurt. So I became very self-conscious of how I looked. I took it upon myself to look like the rest of the girls at school, so I would, quote, fit in. It's a huge reason why I was so particular about wearing the latest Abercrombie clothes or Hollister graphic tees. It was so I wouldn't get teased for what I wore, how I looked, and those sort of things, so I could disguise myself, so I wouldn't get bullied. Or so I thought. But that never stopped the guys from continuing to make slits with their eyes and make remarks like, How can you see anything? Or call me Ching Chong. Or ask if I was related to Bruce Lee. Or Or they'd ask if there even was a difference between Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. And at that time, I was actually shocked that they even knew that there were differences. All ignorant remarks. And what do you know? From little boys and girls who don't know any better. Little boys and girls who clearly were not raised the way I was. Clearly their household raised them to believe racism was okay. And it was okay to make fun of a girl who looked differently than they did at school. I could keep going. Honestly, there are so many memories that I just overlooked because it became so normal to me. My mom would make delicious Korean food and ask if I wanted to pack any of it for lunch at school. And I remember how quickly I'd make an excuse that, oh, it would be cold or it tasted better at home than to tell her that the kids would make fun of my different cultured food and make faces at the smell of it. When really, of course I wanted to pack that for lunch. Are you kidding? My mom made the best homemade Korean food. And I want to highlight that this wasn't my entire childhood growing up in school. I'm just pinpointing many instances I've faced, more especially when I was younger, in elementary school, and then subtly in middle and high school. And you know what makes me sick to my stomach? The fact that anti-Asian racism is seen as comedy to so many non-Asians. It's actually funny, and we as Asians have to laugh along with it when it's targeted towards us. And here's the thing. Even if you have never experienced race-based violence, as a human being, you shouldn't ever condone it. I remember even wanting to highlight my hair at a young age because I didn't want my hair to be black because I looked too Asian. It was like being Asian was a bad thing. And again, I grew up in a white-majority suburban town. There was subtle racism that I never really picked up on because it felt normal. It became normalized around me, and I truly never felt like I fit in. That's why I always consider my hometown to be a bubble. I understood it more when I went to college, and realized there were so many diverse and different people out there. I was just stuck in a town where people were close minded And from then on, I always referred to it as a bubble. That's the thing. Since when was getting bullied and dealing with racism normal? It's not normal. And no one should just let it happen and let it slide because they were raised to just accept it. I think that's a huge component that came out of me experiencing racism at such a young age. Now, when I see anyone getting bullied or called racist remarks, I cannot watch and let that happen. I don't tolerate racism and bullying to anyone else around me. If I see it, I call it out. And I have my family to thank for raising me the way I am. My parents raised me to be respectful and never fight hatred with hatred, or violence with violence. But that didn't mean it was okay on my end. I found other ways to react, to be the better person in the situation. Don't let others see I'm affected by it, because then it would piss them off even more. To show that you cared what they thought meant that they won, and I wouldn't let that happen either. But those words, Sting Experiencing racism and ugly words Really builds a wall inside of you I learned to shut my feelings off Because I knew I was too sensitive back then And I needed a way to be stronger And build thick skin My sister and I experienced racism growing up And so did my brother Turns out, guys can be vicious too if not more. There was this one instance that happened when I was back home in March last year in the beginning stages of quarantine, and my brother was receiving prank calls from an unknown number. The kid clearly knew him, but was acting like an ignorant child and calling my brother racist names and blaming COVID on him. I was livid that night, livid. (laughs) I wasn't going to sit there and watch someone treat my brother like trash. The feeling of being called the same things when I was little became more vivid in my mind. Dealing with those ignorant kids. Yeah, that wasn't fun. And there was no way this little kid would get away with this. The pranker kept calling and sending texts that were vulgar and racist. And in that moment, I remember thinking, if only closed minds came with closed mouths. (sighs) Let's just say I handled it. There were even instances during quarantine when the anti-Asian racism was getting so bad that I honestly felt scared to go out in public. I was hearing upsetting scenarios with my followers who were experiencing hatred in grocery stores, and that made me fearful to get groceries. We were already in tough times with the pandemic, and the thought of having racism resurface into my life again was traumatic. How had it gotten to that point? I dreaded the thoughts of someone berating me due to my race, accusing me of bringing a pandemic to this country and not knowing what they would do next. Those experiences remind me of how strong I am and how much I've tolerated in my past. But it's also shown me that I don't tolerate bullying and that I stand up for people who aren't able to stand up for themselves because I know how it feels. I know how I felt helpless and alone because I was at a stage where I couldn't defend myself nor did I know how but now I do and now I don't tolerate it for a long time I let words and actions eat at me piece by piece little by little I let it change me define me And that's a big reason why I'm extra sensitive to this very topic. For the longest time, I used to regret how I handled the racism growing up. Why didn't I ever stand up to those giants? Why didn't I call them names and make fun of how they looked? I mean, what made it okay for them to use foul language at me and for me to just take it? Sorry, it's making me emotional. (sighs) I used to think I wasn't strong, then to handle it, because all I remembered were the tears of how much those racist remarks and actions hurt. But I was viewing the definition of strong differently. I thought strength was standing up to the bullies and putting them in their place. But what no one tells you in those moments is that strength looks different in every season. And to not lash out or fight hatred with hatred in those scenarios was my strength. Because I had no idea that that experience would become my strength. Hearing what's happening with anti-Asian racism currently in the news reminds me of that very feeling. That feeling where I would play at the purple jungle gym at recess, and that blonde boy would come running up to me, call me names, and ridicule my eyes. I remember his face. I remember his little freckles and mischievous laugh. I remember wanting to shove him so hard down the jungle gym many times that year in school. I blink and I remember flashbacks of all the memories circulating in the back of my mind. My reaction is fueled by pent up anger and sadness for the humanity many of us simply lack. I came across this article a while ago that talked about how the playground is political, whether we admit it or not. I found it interesting considering that's where I had received racist remarks the most. The article talked about how white parents miss and miss moments to begin talking about race with kids. And speaking of families, let me just also say that if you're not familiar with the Asian culture, we highly respect our elders. We put them in the highest regard and respect And this sort of peace does not make us weak. And to see our elders getting killed and treated so disrespectfully is just pure ugliness. It's ignorant behavior, and we don't tolerate it. It's a slap on the face. Many may call our peaceful and caring, respectful methods to our elders as a sign of weakness. But I assure you, You're wrong. Racism is a foul game. And when played, you find your humanity shredded little by little, even without realizing it. Maybe the way you play the game is because of your own childhood experiences. Growing up, racism was normalized, so that makes racism normal for you. You kick the ball to the next teammate. Or maybe the way you play the game is because you are ignorant and choosing to stay ignorant and refusing to educate yourself on what being a racist means. You kick the ball to the next teammate. Or maybe the way you play the game is because your grandparents think that way and your parents think that way. So therefore, you should also think that way. Red flag right there for what's that word? Ignorance. You kick the ball to the next teammate, or maybe you're lacking love or care in your life and hurting others helps alleviate or bandage your own pain. You've made it to the other end of the field and it's now you and the goalie. But here's the thing, should you take your shot? continue to stay ignorant and keep hurting others because of all the reasons you play the game in the first place? Or should you allow yourself to see the tiny sliver of humanity that's still in you, apologize to those you've hurt, and educate yourself on how to do and be better? Go ahead, shoot your shot. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode where I cover another story from my past. This one will cover my experiences playing competitive sports growing up and how that has shaped me, literally and metaphorically speaking, into the person I am now. I wanted to make a quick note about today's podcast episode and ways you can help stop anti-Asian racism. Bring awareness to what's happening. It was normalized then. Don't normalize it now. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in.